Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek. Spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Back again to round out uh, 2022. It's episode 89 of the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. I am your humble servant, Fleet Captain Charles Carden of the USS Grand Petoskey, Truck Lord of West Michigan. Uh, here, as always, with my stalwart companions and fellow Grand Petoskey crew members, K. Quinn, Ensign K. Quinn. Say hello, hello, please. I am out of uniform right now. I'm on leave. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, and leave on the, the ice planet of Urupenthe on that Klingon prison planet. Yeah. Bad, it bad is place fucking to be. cool. This is a bad idea. Oh, yes. Zero stars. Do not recommend. And <laughs> as always, my chief engineer, we've switched uniforms, as you can tell. I'm in gold. He's in red. A Lieutenant Junior Grade Peter Stein. Oh, replicator mix up. It I know, I know. <laughs> I my New Year's resolution is that whenever possible, I'm going to wear a different uniform every time we record because I'm now over 25 uniforms in my collection, and they all need to get some love. So that's my commitment to you guys, Peter. You've inspired me to be uh, to to get into character and kind of do it the right way. So um, got a great show for you today. That. Kick off the end of 2022, we have the pen, penultimates, penultimate and the penultimate penultimate uh, episodes of Star of season one of Star Trek Strategy. Penultimatizing. Um, so let's jump right into it. I'm going to let Peter tackle episode two because I think he's going to stroke out with all the ships. Uh, so, okay, I'm going to let you <laughs> tackle uh, the first segment, episode 18. So by all means. All right, so the protostar under the construct's control as we left it, you know, last week or two weeks ago when we last spoke. Um, Dahl tries to use some of his, um, I guess, uh, some of his DNA implants that he has from the 20-odd-something different species he's been... <laughs> the you know, whoops all DNA. With. Yes. <laughs> uh, he's a cornucopia of DNA, so they figure, hey, you know what? One of your DNAs is uh, telepathic, so let's see if we can contact Janeway that way. Organian, there's, as I recall. Right? Yeah. There's a little bit of an oopsie-daisy, and then uh, Dal and Janeway actually switch minds, and <gasps> this is where you really see um, K. McGrew just absolutely shine even with voice work as she is impersonating doll <laughs> as the mind of Janeway, it's so um, good. <laughs> which was very, very amazing. <laughs> oh my God. No, I loved it. Oh, it was great. It was, that was good stuff. Oh yeah. It was just, I, I feel like this show is just bam, bam. And I can't, I can't even wait for the finale. So no, this was a fun episode. Um, we got, um, note in this episode and and I've mentioned this probably on the, I know I've mentioned it on this show, and I've definitely mentioned it, I'm sure, on Code, uh, or excuse me, over on SFU Prime many, many times. In Star Trek, unlike in Star Wars, the only things that are canonical is what you see on screen. It's always been that way. Maybe it'll always be that way with the exception of two novels from the 90s uh, that were both written or supervised by Jerry Taylor, who co-created Voyager. Background of Janeway, and then the background of everybody else in two different novels. And something from... 
that book, which was the name of one of Janeway's sisters, because I think she has two, made it into this episode. I thought that was awesome. Phoebe. Phoebe. Yeah, because at a certain point, Doll has to convince um, Hologram Janeway that she is, in fact, Janeway in Doll's body. So she references a childhood memory to prove to Ad- or to Hologram Janeway that she is indeed Janeway. Lots of Janeways. So much Janeway. Too many Janeways. So oops, 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 too many Janeways. There's the name of the episode. <laughs> um, I mean, I, wait, excuse me. Can you ever have too many Janeways? Um, I believe survey says no. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I would say that um, this is really um, coming around with a really solid concept for the show. Um, I still wish that they would have spent a little bit more time fleshing out the animation because I still say that it just everything looks weird yeah. whenever they have to do like a human. Right. Mouths look especially odd. Yeah, yeah. They just they can't talk right. It's all. I mean, it's, that's, I, a, that's a common thing. That's an issue with animation. Like the Clone Wars even has some that sometimes. But, right. Sure. But no, this okay. one is like, it's noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. You can tell that they definitely styled the animation after the main cast and then did all of like Janeway and any other humanoids or humans secondary. So mm-hmm. it just comes across a little strange. Um, even when they were animating Doll as Janeway, like all of her movements seemed very, very, it was very Doll. Yeah. And it was, yeah. I was watching it. I was like, okay, this wouldn't probably look weird if Doll was doing it, but just because I don't know if it's her wireframe or just something feels felt a little off about it. But as far as the story goes, it's really, it's really coming into a cool, cool place. Um, and I mean, I guess, you know, Peter, you can take over from here because means. we're we're on that cliffhanger of yeah, it literally flies right <laughs> into the next episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably, if they didn't swerve, they would have hit a wall. So yeah. yeah. So the penultimate episode is uh well a a part one big surprise yeah right uh supernova part one episode 19 so um yeah at the end of the previous episode they get surrounded by starfleet which is pretty awesome not gonna Uh uh-huh yeah lots of starships yep Lots of starships, and then more <laughs> later. Figuring that that would be something that you two would, because re- they're like doing all these flashes of. Right. Like, I mean, there's only like stuff, four like, or five classes that are there, but it's yeah. still a lot of starships. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 it's I, a starship. Oh look, that's another starship. Oh, right. Oh. Yep. Pintar <laughs> Sovereign, Akira. Yeah. Giant. And even got some names, and I I did catch one. Uh, oopsie on there is that, uh, and it was an underside shot. It was it was actually the Defiant, like Deep Space Nine's Defiant. But when they flashed on the ship, it had the NX registry. That ship was destroyed in Deep Space Nine and replaced by the Sao Paulo, which they renamed Deep Space Nine. But I de- they may have actually given that one the NX number as well because I feel like they didn't change it. So yeah. it's an oopsie. That's not an oopsie. It's what in the Marvel Comics parlance they would call a no prize. It's a mistake that you find a way that it's not a mistake. Amazing. Yep. But anyway, so what have so in the episode we have the diviner and um, the and vindicator and the vindicator. Yeah, Sensia. Uh, they they manage to beam on to uh, the protostar and basically take it over. The crew fights valiantly, but mm-hmm. uh, they manage to initiate the hail to Starfleet just as uh. Janeway frees herself from. Don't do that. Boop. Yeah, don't initiate the hail. Oh man! And then everybody answers. 
all the Starfleet ships start uh, turning red. Right. Oh, uh, there is a little bit of a stretch. There is a little bit of a stretch where Starfleet vessels are chasing the Protostar before yeah. all of that happens, which is kind of fun. And that's where we see yeah. the defiant shot. Right. Right. Um, yeah, but, very much a lower decks with all of the ships turning red. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it, exactly. It, especially when they start coming in later. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was like thoom, red, thoom, red. Right. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so you actually um, an interesting thing that happens in this episode is the diviner decides to choose make choose the better path. I suppose is the best way to put it. Yeah. He chooses his daughter and a better future that she has shown that there's an option. And so he doesn't want to go along with the Vindicator's plan. And so she kills him. Ouch. Um, and there's a, there's a really, really good moment between uh, Gwen and, and the diviner, her father. It's that's really, really well done. Um, but then we, end on a cliffhanger of all of Starfleet is shooting itself to pieces. Yeah. And, but one really cool thing is they brought back the, uh, the universal translator bug from the beginning mm-hmm. of the series where people couldn't understand themselves. And then Gwen has to translate for everybody and they ask for help from the Klingons. Right. And then the yeah. Klingons show up and right. bring a hodgepodge of other right. folks. Gorn Ferengi and a few others, but yeah, that's a that's kind of a canonical minefield. Like, oh, now the Gorn are our friends. The Gorn have never been our friends, so that's something that maybe happened during the, Min- the Dominion War that we didn't see. So that's another wrinkle. Just I mean, in, in in Star Trek Online, the Gorn are part of the Klingon Empire. So if oh, and there's so much more in Star Trek Online, kind of bleeding itself into you know canon into current. Right, which is not a bad thing. There's a lot of good stuff in Star Trek. Well, and technically, she just called for any ships that. Yeah, she called for any ships and that Starfleet wasn't destroyed. Right, it's very possible that the Gorn would be like, "Oh no, we like you as like a valiant enemy, and Uh, if someone's going to destroy you, it's going to be us." I I like you. I like you as a friend to me. Ooh, that's almost a better title. Uh, (laughs) We'll see. We'll 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 tuck that one in the back pocket. I like you as a friend to me. Um, but yeah, it was just, this was just wild. Those ships, you know, shooting each other and without any shields, just the, sh- the ships just, mm, just cascading and blowing up. And yep. it was, it was, it was ultimate ship porn in animated form. And once again, the ships were beautifully rendered. Yeah. I, I'm fairly certain that these might once again be the models from Star Trek online that they grabbed because they are all models that exist in the game. Oh, and so, maybe, and maybe that's a reason for a limited selection of the ships. They grabbed them from Picard. Yeah. The, but the centaur is a new ad- addition here, but gotcha. of note, the centaur is appearing in, um, Oh crap. The Star Trek game that's coming out. Uh, a retro- a, 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 no, it's like, retribution? Retribution, Star Trek Retribution. Yeah, or like Resurgence that. or something. There's Resurgence, new that's yeah, it. There's a new comic series that just dropped. Yeah, which so I that, so that might be why they're throwing that in there so that people have visual, oh, look, this ship exists aside from in the background and gotcha. a couple random TNG episodes. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, I, I mean, I was pretty impressed. Two great episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. All of that, of course, you had the, the kid thing where the, you know, when the, uh, the Vindicator throws the blade and it kills the diviner they cut away from the shot and then you see him fall down and you know blah blah blah. so they this very cartoonish style that's okay i mean you can accept that frankly it's still better drama than star trek the animated series and the all the filmation animation and nothing in there that you could really buy katie you just if you think you hate tos 
your feelings about TAS would be worth a complete episode. Oh, I have episode. seen some of TAS. Oh, have you now? All right. Well, get, yeah. give us a, yeah, what, what's a recollection oh, no, of TAS? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what what do you remember seeing? Like, was it an episode um, or sequence? Seen, like, clips. Yeah, no, I've just seen clips of it. In fact, you were showing me clips of it. Oh, I was? Yeah, at Grand Rapids Comic Con. I didn't even think I had that on. No, because I don't have that on disc. I don't know. No, it wasn't on disc. You were showing it to me online. Oh, that's for when we did our panel because we were talking yeah. about Star Trek and animation. Yeah, just the oh yeah. my god, oh my god. Yeah, when we did Kogan Con back in the summertime, um, it was at the the Rec Center or something or other in Grand Haven, and they had a good Wi Fi connection. So we just Wi Fi'd in, and because it was an anime con, we just played. We played all of Prodigy. Uh, and for the time we were there for five or six hours and we played some of TAS and it's just, it's a, it's a hoot to watch, but like not in a good way. I don't know if that makes any sense, but you know what, for the time that it aired and the purpose it served, it kept Star Trek alive in some way, shape or form. So, um, so yeah, crazy, bad cliffhanger happening here. All hope is lost. You know, ships are being destroyed. People are evacuating and our crew is like, well, what are we going to do? So that leads us to, um, Round robin bingo finale predictions. What the hell is going to happen? Um, I think they're going to find out that the construct's name is actually Badgy, and um, <laughs> <laughs> that it's just it's just a, it's just an AI with daddy issues. Oh my gosh! Yeah, big That'd time. Be pretty on brand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you like, I said again to play it backwards. So this whole thing started, and again, I'm sure we'll do another recap after you know of the whole season when you know we wrap up next week's show but in the future there's a race somewhere far flung is it in the delta quadrant i can't remember if that's where the planet that the diviners people come from is from not really clear because i think that that's how yes because if i remember correctly chakotay went through like a time vortex thing yeah horrible and that's how he ended up where the diviner was then but, Star, but Starfleet had already vis- visited there, and they hated Starfleet, but and they had a civil war over it. Future, because the Diviner and um, what's-her-face Vindicator are from yeah. the future, yeah. Yeah, from right. the future, they went to the past to destroy Starfleet before they ever made first contact, because they blamed Starfleet for their people not getting along. Because after first contact, they were split on whether or not to join the Federation, and so they destroyed themselves and somehow that's the Federation's fault. It's just a very Star Trekky kind of issue, you know. It's the it, it just just plays a lot of yeah. We can't get along, and so let's let's blame Starfleet. Starfleet, Starfleet, Starfleet is everybody's you know ex girlfriend. Like a real Blamer <laughs> moment. Yeah. And the booth of him just we just want to. You think you we always you always want to be saving your guys' asses? No, we just want to explore space and do science. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, yeah, and then get caught up in this. So, all right. So, if we were each to pick one prediction, Katie, you got yours. If you have a serious one, that's okay, do. But I'll kick it over to Peter. Peter, one thing you think that we're gonna see in this finale? Um, well, we're at least gonna see the resolution of the um, the the device well i hope so <laughs> that uh, would suck for well maybe we'll be back for a second season yeah we're, we're at least going to see the resolution of that um my guess is we're still not going to have chakotay that's going to be season two mm, right so they're going to have to go find well, they have to go back to gwen's planet 
So right. My in assumption the, is they're going to go to Gwen's planet and, in the future. <laughs> in the future, that my my thought is that it's going to be something to to the tune of the end of season two of Discovery. Okay, where the protostar gets Janeway's blessing and then goes off to where I, I don't know necessarily if they're go, going to go into the future, but they are going to go to Gwyn's, go on their way to Gwyn's planet right. to do the unification that the Diviner asked. Got to save, got to save Chakotay and the Birdman. Got yep. to be done. I mean, that's going to be in the future, but they're going to go to her planet first, I think, and then and then maybe do some time travel after that. So, gotcha. Katie, do you have a second one? Oh, um, no, I don't think so. You're gonna stick with Badgie. I'll say, I'll say that by hook or by crook, in some fashion, um, real Janeway ends up on the protostar, and then in escaping or some such, or they find a way to destroy the device, and it shoots them into the future. That's back it. to the planet without the you know you know the the preamble or whatever it is or getting back to starfleet they leave like the wreckage field of all that and they they end up there and then they have to deal with the consequences of being there and, and kind of what that's going to look like so in the distant past slash future slash whatever i don't know but i i gotta tell you i you know with this show um I've enjoyed it. I know, Katie, you didn't start out really enjoying it. You were like, Dal sucks. Mur, mur, mur. I just can't. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he finally had a really good character moment in this right. episode. He's, a, yeah. he, he's evolved. He's got some good stuff going on. So it I only I, took 19 episodes. I know. Well, you know, it's better than it took two seasons because that's what it does for some characters. So, <laughs> all right. Well, with that, uh, we, we wrap up uh, talking about Project and we move on to. Part two of Star Trek, The Next Generation, season three. There you go. The watershed season starting off with Katie. I feel like I got to give you this first episode because it is going to be worth, worth the price of admission to listen to you talk about this one. So go, go ahead and talk, talk, kick us off with episode eight. All right, the price. So Deanna Troy falls in love with a charismatic negotiator who vies for the rights to a wormhole. But several different groups, including the Ferengi, are after the wormhole as it may be the only stable wormhole in existence. And this was directed by Robert Shearer and written by Hannah Louise Shearer um, and aired November 13th, 1989. Mm. Oh, uh, God. Where, where do you even begin with actor Matt McCoy as Devanoni Rao? So besides the fact that he admits to coercing Deanna into their relationship with his, and I'm like, this is He's such a fucking coercion is yeah. consent. You guys, this is really bad. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, I mean, at least Deanna in the end, obviously not to jump too far forward. Finally, gets him back he did have one of the most solid lines i also really appreciate there was there were some saving moments this wasn't a tng season two episode one God. completely the child <laughs> yes but i did absolutely want to slap this dude the entire time because especially when him and troy are arguing because we find out like halfway through the episode that he's actually one quarter betazoid his mom right. was half betazoid and that's why he's so good at negotiating is because he can sense other people's emotional responses. For some reason, he's also like, he tries to play it both ways by saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just being logical. I'm not doing that. I've closed myself off, but now that I'm with you, I can feel, and I can love again. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Day. Stop it. <laughs> you said, if he was a cat, you'd be like, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so I'm like, and then nope. Deanna's like, I'm in love with it. I'm like, girl, you're just thirsty. It's okay to just want some. It's fine. You don't have to say you're in love with him. You can you can get what you need and kick him to the curb. It's fine. He's oh, man. Fine. You would think in the 21st century, you know, that people would be, especially from someone from a planet like Benzoid, that they would be a little bit more like, yeah, you know, we got down, blah, blah, blah. And it's it's good. It's not, I'm in love, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. Like, just, it's fine. It's fine. Just do that. But anyway, so then she and him have this whole, like, philosophical conversation as you do in star trek where she's saying you know you're not being upfront with folks that you're negotiating with because they don't know that you have these abilities and he's like well you don't tell everyone that you go up against you know that you have these abilities so you're only telling the captain when a dude's threatening to blow up a planet or you know attack the ship she's like well that's different because it's life and death and he's like right yours is life and death i'm just doing harmless capitalist shit and completely de-enfranchising it's, it's just business general you know galaxies but that's fine because that doesn't hurt any you know what i was like dude i can he- i can hear jeff bezos as you're saying this i'm sure he doesn't think that he's hurting anyone either and his warehouse workers would largely disagree yeah right dying on the line exactly right? <laughs> so it's like come on dude you're out this and also like context context is really important so anyway. And yeah, and even at the end of it, he's like, Deanna, run away with me. I need oh. to blah, blah, blah. It's, oh, I just, you know, and I was, I was thir- 13 when I saw this and unknown in the ways of socializing. I was my little nerd boy watching, you know, Star Trek. So <laughs> even it would give pause to think, is this really what relationships are like and the way that people yeah. talk to each other? Sure as hell shouldn't be. <laughs> well, yeah, and especially because the entire time, whenever she showed any type of hesitance, so hesitancy towards him. He was like, "Oh, there's Counselor Troy. That's not the real Troy." Oh, it's such a gaslighter. Like, yeah, yeah. It was, that was rough stuff. He so. is what we like yeah. to call a scumbag. Uh, a little was, bit, yes. a little bit. We, so, yes. Yeah, there was two points where he's trying to manipulate Riker by using Troy and basically <laughs> talking yeah, about her was, like she's an object. Yeah, yeah that he's was, like, I'm, "You I'm, have had her, but I'm now gonna, I'm going to take her." Yeah, she's coming and with Riker me. Just goes. Cool, man. If you can make her happy, more power to you. That sounds great. And dude is totally floored because, you know, Riker right. respects women on rare occasions. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a matter of degrees. Uh, it, yeah. it's, it's not the chick. It's not the Irish chick from the stereotype planet. <laughs> well, that was also season one. Yeah, so, <laughs> yes. right. season right. one is a special kind of special. Oh, you, yeah. No, you're thinking you know, of that you're thinking two. of that that planet dominated by women. Angel one, that was the the woman who. Okay, liked season that. two also has some special kind of special <laughs> going on at certain points. Season three, Rikers, where it gets better. He does. Riker. He got he got woke. He got his shit together in season yes. three. Well, he yeah. wised up. Oh, okay, yeah, woker. Woker. Um, yeah. So the ending of their relationship is her basically saying like, peace out, dude. And he's like, Oh, you know, I'm asking you to run away with me and I want to be a better man. And you could make me that. Yeah. Right. Like you're going to fix me. And she just tells him, I already have a job as a counselor. Yeah. Right. That is the best burn I have heard in Star Trek so far. That was, that that was a, that was a fat Star Trek burn. Oh, that could be a better name for the episode here. Hold Yeah. All right. Talk amongst yourself. (laughs) A a Star Trek. I have have been talking quite a bit. You, you all, Peter, what what was your Please. Um, well, just leaving Mr. Scumball out of it, um, 
the other part of the plot was mildly entertaining for me. The Ferengi. Because, because it involved Ferengi being stupid. And I enjoy watching Ferengi being stupid. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, who, who gets the oh, chairs? Yeah. Who gets the chairs? <laughs> you can have my chair. And then he yeah. leaves. Like, that's just great. And then they get stuck on the other side of the wormhole because, like, we don't see it. It's like, I'm telling you it's there. See, yeah, it's right. still there. Whoosh. And those Ferengi end up taking over planet in the Delta Quadrant, and then Voyager bumps into them in season and three. And then Voyager Quadrant. tells them that they're scumbags. So, you know, yeah, it's exactly. just a circle. This yeah, episode exactly. breeds scumbags. It's a, cir- <laughs> it's a circle of scumbags. So there could be another one. We'll, we'll tuck that one in our back pocket. So, yeah, super dated. And Matt McCoy's a good actor, and uh, he's been in a lot of other great stuff. But, yeah, he really serves it up. But, yeah, it's, for, it's nice to see Riker saying, yeah, you want to take a shame? Mine, go on. You know what? Go for it, dude. That's cool. And he's like, well, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. I didn't get jealous and shit. And burr, burr, burr. Yeah, Mr. I read emotions. I mean, we could say it's dated, but are people really not going to act like that in the future anyway? Because there's yeah. always going to be scumballs. There's always going to be. Always. A-B-S. A- Give me some small hope. Yes. Well, well if yeah. we're go- never mind. I'm not going to say it. He's an alien. There you go. He's an alien. All right, we beat him up enough, so let's let's move on. I'll take I'll take episode nine, uh, where Riker is. Yeah, this is, this is this is a bad turn for Riker. Episode nine is the Vengeance Factor, uh, director Timothy Bond, written by Sam Rolf, not the guy from the Muppets. Uh, you guys do know the Muppets, right? I know I I'm, I lost yeah. out on Night Court and Seinfeld with you guys. Okay, good. No, uh, I got the the Festivus reference. Okay, <laughs> I also watched Night Court when I was little. Oh, that's that's right, you did. Absolutely, new show. We talked about this on SFU. New show. It comes back on next month. So I'm excited. Yes. I'm excited for that. Uh, November of 1989. This 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 brought to you by Night Court. Uh, Riker exposes an assassin bent on carrying out an ancient blood feud in the blood feud. In the midst of critical peace talks with a band of nomadic marauders, the sta- even even Worf even Worf got a burn on these guys. I love it. So yeah, so they the episode starts off. They're they're in a Federation outpost that's with one of the worst matte paintings I've ever seen. As they beam in, it's been ra- been ravaged by these the 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 gatherers who are just these nomadic people that look like they they bathe they bathe kind of like the way Neelix bathes. Remember how Neelix is like, wow, you wash yourself in water? That's interesting in the first episode of Voyager. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. So the main dude uh, goes with them, plus they have um, the coach from Porky's. I don't know <laughs> that, that old lady. <laughs> and then you have Lisa, who's from one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I mean, you got this is just a pantheon of 80s stuff. But yeah, you got you got this all coming together. They're on this peace mission. And uh, when when they uh, back to Worf's burn, when they catch up with this dude, um, Worf gets up on behind and, and catches the guy and says, you're you're. Uh, attempt ambushes would be yeah. more successful if you bathed regularly. Often. Yeah, exactly. Which everybody knows, particularly from DS9, that Klingons don't bathe. You know, what is it that uh, O'Brien described uh, Worf as having a uh, lilac, a hint a, of lilac, a, a, a peaty aroma with a hint of lilac. Yes, thank you, trials and tribulations. Oh my goodness! But uh, yeah, so the the subplot is the the assassin is this young lady who's Lisa who played Lisa in one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, who Riker seduces, and boy, she doesn't give him an inch, but he's like, uh, I thought that was a little skeevy. I don't know, Katie, do you, do you accept my interpretation? He was a little weirded out too. 
because he was like, hey, you're really cute. And then she was like, what would you like of me, master? And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's right. He, whoa. He, he, it, it, it's not, let's not throw all of this on Riker. Yeah, he was a little flirty and she she went for it. But then she was like, let me serve you. And he's like, oh. Right. He was very much like, hey, if you're down, I'm down. And then he realized that she didn't understand that concept. Right. And so he was like, okay, so, you know, I would say, you know, A plus for Riker of understanding, you know, educated consent. Right. Right. He's too. He's everybody's enthusiastic. He's two episodes for two episodes of being being woke Riker. Woke Riker. I like it. Three is good for Riker. (laughs) Woke. Riker. I don't like that title, not at all. <laughs> right, we'll 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 keep it moving. We'll we'll see if we can't agree on something else by the time we get done. But but anyway, yeah. In the end of it, Riker has to make the ultimate sacrifice because it's found out that uh, Lisa from uh, Utah, excuse me, Lisa yep, from Elm yeah. Street, uh, turns out that she she's an age old assassin who uh, is programmed with a rhinovirus that will just kill certain of the gatherers who are part of this clan that killed everyone in her clan like a hundred years ago. And Riker figures it out the last. minute it beams over to stop her and has to disintegrate her with her phaser because she won't stop and so that's a bummer you know that's kind of a that's kind of a thumbs down for his for his love life to why he just didn't try to stun her he just kept hitting her with like he he did he kept upping the beam to be more dangerous and it just wouldn't it she wouldn't get stunned like he kept raising the level and she was just genetically modified in such a way that she could absorb the energy somehow they don't really clarify it it was one of those we want to show someone get vaporized yeah we, and have it be have it be you know super emotionally painful for Riker so here you go you know known her for like two days Can't right be that emotionally you know probably her killing anyone I would say it's more of the fact of having to kill someone right, it being someone right. That, you know, but the two days, I mean, it was the same thing with Troy in the last episode. She was like, I love him. I'm like, you, oh, yeah. you had one really weird date with him in your quarters where he's like, you're not eating. I'll pick you up and take you to the bedroom. But, ooh, I don't reflect on just how gross I think yeah. he is. Why, why are you Why are you bringing this up again? I don't know. We, we left him in the past. Right, exactly. Yes. Leave him alone. <laughs> Leave him back in 1989. We put, don't him, want to bring him up put him back on the shuttlecraft. But I don't know. How do you, I, what, what do you guys think of the episode over? Overall, I, th- I thought it was I thought it was a good Star Trekky kind of story, quite frankly. And, and Riker seemed to, you know, be the good dude. Ultimately, yeah, it kind of kicked off. I felt like a little bit of a repeating theme throughout the series of like you have two different warring ideas, and neither of them are as dry, you know, cut and dry as you think they are. And it seems like that was kind of a repeating theme through these through these episodes. And generally, I think that's kind of where like Pillar and Company went, and it's. It's the kind of Star Trek storytelling that I prefer because um, mm-hmm. I think that it's good when you have two positions that are not, you know, they're not super clear on which one's right, which one's wrong. And then you can like balance them so that you can like partially teach people how to analyze points of view. And mm-hmm. that's something that doesn't happen a lot with it's like writing in earlier TNG didn't do that very well. Yeah, not uh, at all. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> but. Um, but like, this is one of those episodes that does do it. It's kind of on a lower scale. Like you're not dealing like, Oh, it's big deal. It's, it's like disputes and feuds and assassination where we're all pretty clear on, you know, what's not the right thing to do here, but (laughs) it's not the right thing to do here. Yeah. 
the, the so. area the area is not gray. So yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, all right, moving into this next episode, I'm going to steal this one too. I'm sorry because this is one of my absolute favorites. So I'm going to jump right on in there, uh, and then you guys can finish it. Finish out the rest of them. I'll be quiet. Uh, but episode ten of the season is the Defector, directed by Robert Shear, mm. written by the spectacular. Ronald D. Moore. Um, just this week, April and I decided that we're going to we're going to Star Trek Las Vegas in August, and Ron Moore will be there, which is what made me think. Nice. I'm super. I hit Ron Moore. Obviously, we in the last segment he gave us the bonding, which was the Klingon episode. Klingons became his thing from his run from here and on to DS9. Um, so, I, and then of course he made Bailstar Galactica. I'm super fired up to meet this guy. I might even get an autograph, and I'm, I, I, I swore I'd never get another autograph from somebody after I got my Captain Pike and my Riker. So anyway. This was the first episode of the 1990s, aired the week of January 1. Um, Determined to avert a war, the uh, Romulan officer defects to warn the Federation of the Empire's invasion plans. Oh, I mean, I could watch the cold, the, the cold, uh, the cold open of this. First of all, really great recreation of Data doing a Shakespeare play. Is that King Henry? I'm just, I get, yeah, I get it's Henry the fifth, Henry the fifth. I, I get, I took a Shakespeare class in college, but that was yeah, it's Henry the fuzzy for me. Um, well, I appreciated that Patrick Stewart was one of the dudes he was yes, talking totally. about. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, there have been a lot of beauty shots of him in makeup with, with Brent Spiner, like a little, you know, side shot of him. And that makeup was, was pretty effectively. He ordinarily wouldn't have known without a good look, but, um, yeah, the cold open with the Romulan ship and then coming back from credits, this this ship flying right at you, shooting at the little scout ship. Ooh, this is one of my favorite ones to watch. And and I really liked it. You know, the Romulans are back in full force uh, really for the first time, because, again, as we talked about in the last segment, Romulans big in TNG. Uh, because back in the day, the ears were too expensive, where now the Klingons, the foreheads are too expensive. So we see a hell of a lot of Romulans and this really um opinions it's a very big data episode um it's very you know analytical and kind of apropos to what's what we're seeing in henry v as far as the you know uh determining the, the you know or the captain walking amongst his crew and and yep. things of that nature so anyway um that was my big burst peter you take over please um well this is a great episode we see um what's his name uh, James, James, James Swan, yeah, yeah, coming back as another character. Um, yeah. He shows up regularly, and that's good. Um, so um, we have him pretending to be not who he is, Admiral Jarak. Mm-hmm. Pretends to be Satal. Um, so there's a lot of like back and forth and subterfuge, you know, like the Romulans are known for and right. secrets, and then it's to get like, I have secret information and it's like pulling teeth. It's like, do you right. want to tell us or not? <laughs> I don't. And I blew up my ship cause he, he, he timed his ship to blow up and stuff. So yeah, he's, you know, yeah. he's not really on the up and up. He's hard to believe. Yeah. Um, but that's understandable for a Romulan, especially right. when it's like, he's one of the top commanders right. in the Romulan Navy. Um, but I do like how there's like an, uh, like an exploration of patriotism an exploration of like what it means to be in command and care about who you're commanding. Cause you see that like Admiral Jirak, he's concerned about Romulus. He doesn't want a war because people will die. His people will die. Mm-hmm. Um, it ends up being like, you know, a Gestapo like test where they're like, you know, we're going to put this out here and see who, who runs with it. And he did. Right. Yeah. Um, Whoops. <laughs> but, 
like there wasn't really a plan. Tom will like, ha 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 ha. Yeah. It was all, it was me all along. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this in the mustache. Exactly. So, like, but there's a lot of good stuff going on in this episode where, where you see all of that. And there's an exploration of those themes. Um, yeah. And I think it shows like Picard, you know, in the immediate um, point of seeing that there's much more to the Romulan um, empire and it might not be quite as stable as the Romulans would want you to believe. Yep. And you also had some just really amazing moments, you know, that were very heartbreaking as he's standing on the the bridge and realizing that he was basically duped. And he's like, I did all of this. I lost everything. Right. I did it for, for love people. of my people. And right. now I'm yeah. damned for it. And my people don't right. love me back. Cause look what they did to me. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And then he yeah. ends up, you know, offing himself because he's so, Right. I wouldn't necessarily say he's ashamed. That's part of it, but he's heartbroken that he cannot go home. Right. Hopelessness. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, well, because the only thing that was driving him forward and the only thing that was, you know, made his sacrifice valid in his mind was knowing that he was, you know, doing it for the good of Romulus, mm-hmm. yep. and, you know, all of, you know, the military believes. And then when he realized that he wasn't or that there wasn't any reason for him to do that, then, you know, he lost his will to live, which was completely understandable from right. his perspective. And also he, he decided he needed to remove himself lest he become a threat to Romulus. So there right. is, yeah. there is a double edge there going on. Right. Right. Yeah. Very, very complex uh, characterization. And, and again, just an early gem from Ron Moore. So, Oh, I love it. All right. Katie, your turn. Episode 11. All right, we have The Hunted that was directed by Cliff Bull and written by Robin uh, Bernheim, and it aired January 8th of 1990, and a genetically modified soldier reveals the social problems in a world hoping to join the Federation. Roga Daynar, get the fuck out of my face. (laughs) Spoiler's hero, Roga Daynar. I know, I'm sorry, I I couldn't help myself. (laughs) Yeah, and this one, um, so yeah, this guy um, pops up. Uh, They keep trying to find him, but they can't see him. His uh, life signs, can't find him on any sensors, any sensors. 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 Uh, no life signs on any sensors, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Data ends up kind of outsmarting him. They capture him. They put him in the brig. And then you end up with some really interesting back and forth with not only the soldier in Troy, but also the soldier in Data. And it's once again, showing how they're really doing a great job in this season of utilizing data as kind of a foil mm-hmm. using his innocence and his naivety, but also his intelligence and his ability for speculation and for questioning to really mirror back the problems and um, kind of moral quandaries that these characters are going through. Um, and so it really, it was a kind of a, um, obvious, exa- you know, examination of PTSD, and I think the way that a lot of, you know, soldiers in the U.S. military come back, you know, obviously they're talking about PTSD and their inability to just reintegrate into society after they're shown, you know, there's either enemy or friend, and there is no in between, and you have to always be on guard. And so, you know, there was definitely some, you know, missing nuance. They kind of they brushed over it a little bit, which obviously you can't go. Can't go super in depth, especially yeah, with a complex a issue nuance. like that. Yeah. So. yeah, there's not a lot of nuance you can have in you know 45 minutes or whatever this is. Mm-hmm. So um, I think overall though it was really well done. And in the end, um, you know the soldier comes back, he gets the rest of his people or the rest of the soldiers that this world created, um, and then sent off to a colony. 
Um, and they all show up basically taking over. Yeah, it's basically a coup. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, they basically stay because they say, you know, either you're going to have to kill us um, or help us reintegrate and into society. And Picard basically peaced out at that point point. was like, hey, we captured the criminal. Well, give your guy back. Yeah, we gave your, your guy back. Um, and this is now an internal matter. Yeah, right. and as you said, we don't have any business here dealing with this dude. So um, peace out, bye. Right. And um, a matter of internal security. Out, yeah. Yeah. Then um, you can call up the Federation again, and we'll be happy to review your application. If so, you survive the night, wink. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it was very much a Picard telling them what he thinks they should do without him actually telling them what he thinks they should Classic do. Classic Picard move. Yeah. And, and, and super prime directive heavy. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this we're wedged in in the middle of uh, of several episodes that that tackle what Star Trek does best, which is taking on mm-hmm. the big moral social issues um, of life in general, some things that are absolutely timeless. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, the mental health, uh, of our veterans here in this country is, is, is abysmal. I mean, it, and, and has mm-hmm. been for, you know, since going back to in particular, the Vietnam war I mean, vets coming home and, you know, having, you know, people spit in their face and call them a baby killer and, and just hating them for fighting the wars that we, maybe Vietnam's not a great example, but fighting the wars that we need them to fight. This obviously takes it to an extreme beyond that. This guy was made into a super soldier. It would be like if Captain America went off to fight, you know, Thanos and his minions. And then when he came home, they're like, oh, we're just going to have to lock you up because you have your PTSD is so severe. And this aired very close to the beginning Desert Storm, yeah. Yeah, not that far off, yeah, which happened later in 1990. Um, so, yeah, so it was it was definitely very salient, certainly years later in reruns. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, this was great. Like I said, Picard did kind of what he did best. Um, apart from the issue, I love the little exploration of the ship we got. A lot of crawling through Jeffrey suits you haven't seen before. And, and you know, this is on that Jerry deck. rigging transporter. Yeah, exactly. This, this guy... <laughs> This guy fighting, fighting Worf and throwing a bunch of containers on him, which worked out for Worf, Worf this time. But in season five, uh, Worf versus a container won't work out so good when it breaks his back. Ouch! Um, yeah, I like uh, when they were, when Jordy's like, how many security, you know, de- deployed, or did you deploy? And he's, they tell him and he goes, just send more. Yeah, just <laughs> double it. Well, the, yeah, and Troy is his advocate. She's like, she's like, counselor, it took five men to subdue him and he took about half the transporter room with him at the same time. You know, so it's not like he's all warm and cuddly like he's, you know, uh, Snuggly Bear. He's, you know, he's this, this dude's a trained killer, but still somehow very charismatic. So um, I would love to figure out, uh, I'd love a follow-up on this episode. Whatever happened uh, there on the, and I'm forgetting the name of the planet. The Rogadera. Yeah, it was Angosian. Angosian. Angosia yeah. four. I'd love to see Angosia. It. Yeah, if he's running, if he's running the joint, and you know, maybe maybe that's that's somewhere where Boimler needs to go visit. Angosia three. I'm sorry. There you go. Three, four, whatever. So, well, hey, I mean, the leader did end up running a farm later on because that was the guy from Babe. Well, and there was also Zephyr <laughs> Cochran. Uh, that's actor, you know, uh, James Cromwell, who's Zephyr Cochran in First Contact. And he also uh, is the alien who tells Worf that his family's at a Romulan concentration camp. Exactly. This guy, get, this guy gets around and has a lot of different makeups. It's impressive. Yep. And it's great. He's fun. He's he's a, he's he's a fun guy in real life. He's actually he is a uh, social justice advocate who's been arrested a bunch of different times, like outside nuclear power plants and stuff. So. That is so cool. I, I did know. not know that about him. You he got does it. 
Sorry, I was he, he's a, a go ahead. Social justice advocate, uh, Charlie just said, who's been arrested for protesting like outside of nuclear power plants and stuff. Interesting. I know you wouldn't you wouldn't have pegged it. It's kind of crazy. All right, next episode. Who's uh, oh Peter? I think this is you. Yeah, that's my first episode. Um, so the high ground episode twelve. Dr. Crusher is kidnapped by terrorists who need medical assistance as the technology employed in their attacks is detrimental to their own health. Whoops. I hate it when that happens. So this is the Rutian Trajector. Oh, yes. Subspace folding technology, if anyone cares. Sure, sure I care. Can't you tell? I'm I'm sure we have plenty of listeners who do care. Somebody out there. So, um... Yeah, so this episode, yes, we kind of get another one of those like Florence Nightingale effect or whatever. Right. Um, where Dr. Crusher s- kind of falls for the for her kidnapper. Um, right. The Stockholm syndrome. I say right. I believe that's called Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's also their doctor, so there's kind of a weird yes. combo there. There's a lot, lot lot of weird emotions, but there's uh, a lot of weirdness going on there. Um but uh, so basically the Federation is here to like check. It's kind of like the previous episode where they're like checking in on someone who might join the Federation potentially. And then they're like, Oh, well we're here. And then the cafe gets blown up and Dr. Crusher gets taken captive. Right. Um, And yes, there's, they are suffering from, you know, their internal organs being destroyed by this trajector. And so that happens. (laughs) Yeah, so they need Dr. Crusher to help fix them. And she's basically like, all I can do is really like make you feel better. Like you're gonna if you use this more, you're you're just gonna die. There's well, I don't no like that answer. It. I'm gonna keep doing it. And then he yeah, decides to keep DNA doing is it. Literally unraveling, so there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Yep. There's nothing she can do. But she does take the time with the supplies that they stole from the Enterprise uh, <laughs> to help the rest of his people. Um, one thing that is that I really do like about this episode is how it ends. Um, not necessarily like, oh, the terrorists and blah, blah, blah. But I like how it ends with like the kid who points the gun at the leader of the, the police force. And then, uh, Dr. Crusher is like, no, put it down. And he does. And then he gets arrested and it's like, oh, whatever. But then it's like, well, they'll never change. And she's like, well, no, he did put his gun down. There is like, there is change here that you guys just have to see each other as, rational beings you can't right. just see it like these are terrorists and they you can never negotiate with them and they're awful non-people gotta kill 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 yeah you know it's Riker who says maybe this starts with one little boy putting down his gun yep that's uh, that's like that's the line that's a, yeah. just a really good line right and so it's one of those that i really like because it's yeah people may be opposed to each other sometimes violently mm-hmm. um but you have to realize that there's a lot going on on both sides because you see both sides. And again, Mm -hmm. this is where the writing in season three is good where you have, you have the one side, the cop, the police force being like, they're, they're, they're causing people to die. They're causing destruction. They're causing social upheaval and chaos, Mm -hmm. which are concerns. Yes. (laughs) And then you have the flip side where you have them of, well, we're being oppressed and like, we're, we're dying. We're not getting enough, care we need to take care of our people and we need to rise up because the government isn't taking care of us again legitimate concerns Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so so the fact that they're putting them both out there and you're like okay i see where you're coming from i see where you're coming from but the fact that these two groups don't see each other as valuable 
mm-hmm. is something that I think is especially poignant right now um, where you have sides that like, I don't see the value in what you're saying. I don't see the value in you. Mm-hmm. And then, and so here's Riker and Tractor Crusher being like, okay, you need to take a step down. This gu- this kid lowered his gun. There is some humanity there. Right. There's you might not want to see it, but mm-hmm. there is some humanity there that's worth you trying to preserve and to interact with because this is another person, not just the enemy. Right. On bo- going both ways. And that's one of the really, really, really nice things about this episode. And I think that the title is rather fitting where both sides right. think that they have the moral yeah, high right. ground. Right. And they're both wrong. Right. So. Not the high ground like, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin, but yeah. Uh, quick sidebar about this episode because Peter blew through the details. Um, this episode is directed by Gabrielle Beaumont, who is a veteran woman director who just passed away recently, actually within the last couple of weeks, and uh, written by Melinda Snodgrass. So you have you have a a female production team writing one of the, I think, definitely one of the better episodes, and certainly in the first part of the season. So I love mm-hmm. that. I love seeing that perspective uh, of not having the same old sci-fi because there's really there's not that much sci-fi about this besides the trajector and the, the bit on the ship where he's going to blow up the, you know, they were, they were going to blow yeah. up the ship and that was, but yeah, it was, it really came down to brass tacks about humanity or, or humanoid. Because yeah. and basically humans. this was, I think this was more or less an allegory for uh, the troubles in Ireland, which were happening Definitely. at the time. This episode was actually banned by the United right. Kingdom in right. Ireland because it mentions the Irish unification, right. which, which is, is actually happening like what re- next year? 2025. So, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Or 2024 it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, so it's just one of those like, it was based on real life events. Right. Which is a little too close to home. So, all right, we've been blabbing. Katie, break it down for us. What do you think? I thought it was a really great episode. I do wish that they would have gone more into um, like the history of what happened after they, um, why they wanted their independence. Right. Yeah. It was just a line or two thrown out there. Yeah. There's just like one line where she's like 70 years ago, they, you know, wanted their independence and we denied that. And then they've been a terrorist cell ever since. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would have liked to know a little bit more as to like why they wanted their independence. What was going on there? Mm -hmm. I guess is the, the script probably had some more to do with like the Irish stuff and they left it out for right reasons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it could have been exactly the same Northern Ireland, this little chunk of my ancestral homeland occupied by the English and you know, they don't want to go. Yeah, so I would have liked to see a little bit more um, about that. I did think the kind of like pseudo romance between the lead um, terrorist of the terrorist cell and uh, and Doctor Crusher. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Crusher. There we go. Um, it was a little strange. Yeah, um, it was. It was especially after he threatened weird. to kill her child. Or, or yeah, it threatened to kill and then said, "Well, you know, uh, is he on the ship? Oh, I'm so sorry, he's on the ship because I got to blow it up. But you know, I got to yeah. do what I got to do." I mean, but he also like it, there were some really amazing points that you know he brought up of like you're more than willing to help, you know, and bring medical supplies and all of this stuff to the government that's been oppressing us, and you call yourself neutral mm. by all of this stuff. Correct. When we're out here, you know. In, in a literal underground cavern, right? It has no, you know, even way to get to the surface. They're one hundred percent underground right. because they either transport in or they use this right. little yeah. inverter thing, right? That's 
ruining their DNA. Right. And living in a van down by the river. So yeah, a good, yeah. A, good, a good one that I think could be, you know, kind of a cool revisit. So there's a lot of good would be a cool revisit episodes in season three. A lot of stories that were great, mm-hmm. but definitely left room for, for something in the future. So, okay. Um, K last episode, a Q episode. Mwah! Go for it. Yes. Deja Q um, directed by Les Landu. Written by Richard Danis, and it aired February 5th of 1990. And the Q Continuum strips Q of his powers and dumps him aboard the Enterprise. Shenanigans <laughs> ensue. Oh my Genanigans God. Ensue. Um, my favorite part being when um, Whoopi Goldberg's character stabs him with a fork. <laughs> Seems pretty human to me. Uh, One of my favorites is what do I have to do to prove it to you people? Die. Uh, (laughs) The episode kicks off when Q appears. He's hovering on the bridge right behind Data, uh, and he, he appears to be nude. He was nude. Uh, what I did read, he did. He he did go. Uh, yeah, he did go life study. Yeah, he did go life study on that one. Oh, natural, uh, which just proves how great John Delancey is. Because you know, That's hey, on it's brand. all, it's all mm-hmm. for the craft. So this is great. This is the first time we've seen Q since uh, Q Who back in season two, where he gave us the Borg. Thanks for that. Um, mm-hmm. And one of not the first times that we see a Q who gets the boot or a Q who's in trouble, because obviously we talked about that on Voyager with uh, with Garrett Graham's character in season three in the episode Death Wish. Um, yeah. But this and we get our this is the first time we also see a second Q or Q2 uh, with actor Corbin Burnson, who was big on L.A. Law or one of those 90s lawyer shows at that time that everybody's parents loved, uh, which mm-hmm. but I've never watched. But. Yeah, a great, a great, and some actual honest to God character development for Q. But anyway, I'm going to kick it back to you guys. Yeah, I thought it was um, really great. I do love um, when the second Q shows up, he, they played him just as much kind of like eccentric and self-absorbed, but in a different way than right. John Delancey's Q is. Um, so I thought that was really great that there was, you could definitely see the parallels between the character and, you know, in this, while Q's, figuring out humanity. Um, he talks about sleeping and how that was utterly terrifying <laughs> right. um, and being hungry. And his bad back. Yeah, and his bad back. Um, and again, you see this kind of foil and reflection of Data, whose only thing that he's ever wanted is to experience humanity and feelings and emotion. And Q, who's been like demoted to human. Um, and you've got this back and forth as Data is um, assigned to basically follow him around and be his liaison. And Q is trying to convince Picard to let him be part of the crew, but he refuses to do anything that the crew requests of him. So you have this moment where they're trying to move a moon so it doesn't crash into a planet. And Jordy keeps telling him, yeah, a lot of, you know, just the small everyday things that happen in Starfleet, stopping a moon from crashing into a planet, no big deal. It's okay. So Jordy's trying to get, you know, Jordy and Data are working on this problem. And Q is basically just being an asshole the entire time. That's what he does. Where he, that's on brand. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, that's Q. Q is going to Q. So, so he shows up and at one point just flat out asks Data, who does he think he is giving me orders? Talking about Jordy and Data just, you know, matter of fact points out like Data does. Um, he's in command. So, of course, he's giving you orders. That's his job. So, again, it was just really great, you know, development. Q ends up going back to the continuum because he tries to sacrifice himself so that they can move the planet. 
or move the moon so it doesn't destroy the planet because there's other aliens that are after him because they found out he was human and now they're trying to kill him. And as so that's you the whole do. thing. Right. As you do. Right. As you, yeah, exactly. It's natural. You gotta, gotta do what you gotta do. And yeah, mm-hmm. so Q gets his powers back at the end and he does the great, I feel like celebrating. Mm-hmm. He does the mariachi band and then he snaps his finger and Riker's got these two buxom women on his arm and he's like, I don't need your fantasy women. And he's and Q's got this great, Riker, you're so stolid. You weren't like this before the beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That was a very good line. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, and yeah, and then he gives, Data, an uproarious belly laugh, which has been an inspired meme now throughout the history of, of yep. memes and gifts is the laughing everywhere. Yeah, so no, a great episode. Peter, your thoughts? I love this episode. It's got so many just laugh out loud greatly stupid moments. You do. You end up like Data at the end, laughing out loud. LOL. Yeah, it's I, just I an, it's an amazingly great episode. I don't know that there's much more to say about it other than like we had some Q character development. We had everyone getting frustrated with Q, which is always fun. And like, it's like, it's one of the best Q episodes. It's just silly, but it has some heart. And that's, right. that those are really the good Q episodes. Right. And, and yeah. moves Q forward as a character, as opposed to him just being nefarious or, you know, giving us the Borg or trying to take Q who is a good episode. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he, but he's, he's really, he's maniacal in that one. He's not, he's not fun. He's not exciting. He's just a big jerk. Where in this one, you know, it's one of those, like at the end of South Park. And I learned something too. But this is like where we see more of the playful, goofy side of Q. You know? Right, yeah. exactly. I should, have said, I should have said Klingon. Yeah, exactly. Romulan. And, like, there's just oh, lots yeah. of just goofy, goofy stuff, oh and it's God. so great. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. one of the reasons where I, it's one of the episodes where I started to be like, I really like Q. Yeah. I know that other yes. people hate Q because he drives him up a wall, but I love Q for this, for this episode particularly because it's just so fun. Yes, very much so. No doubt. All right. Well, wrapping up our six episodes, time to go with a favorite and a least favorite. Kay, you are in the hot seat. What do you say? Oh, geez. Um, I'm probably going to be the same as a lot of you, which was uh, Deja Q. It's just like we're, you know, we're talking about it. It's just a great episode. And I can't say, like, especially out of this batch, even though there were a lot of really good ones on this batch. Yeah. Just watching um, John DeLance's uh like portrayals in how playful he is with the character and just his line delivery is just amazing so right anytime he's around it's just a lot of fun yeah and, and what about a stinker I, this is gonna be an easy one oh yeah that would definitely be uh that would definitely be the price uh, because as much as i thought the actual main plot was really interesting as far as like the negotiations such a and everything else big old creep just the main plot thing was just they could have just gotten rid of that entire thing Ugh. and it would have been great. For me. Yuck. Oh, all right. Yeah. It sounds like there might be some cylinders. Peter, you're next. Um, I mean, Deja Q is great. I, I kind of have to go with that one, but just to be a little bit different, I'll say the high ground. <laughs> that, that's um, fair. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm like, well, I could say the same thing cause I agree, but uh, yeah. Um, so it's just, I just really like the, all of the complex stuff going on in that episode. Right. Yes. The, the romance between crusher and what's his face is just a little weird, but as long as you just kind of ignore that, right. yeah. ignore the, um, vibes. the, the yeah. rest, the rest of the episode is really, really good. Right. Stinker, the price again, really? you think captain creep is just, yeah, exactly. Mr. Mr. He's like, he's like a creepy sorority guy in an eighties movie. He's like, 
like Ted C. McGinley's character in Revenge of the Nerds. That's who he is. Oh my! I haven't god. seen that movie. Don't get that reference. But oh, okay. Jesus Christ! Oh my god! Okay, so uh, I will also Katie back me up here. Are you familiar with Revenge of the Nerds? Am I am I on an island here? I have seen it once. It's 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 also super inappropriate. Really appreciate it. No, there's nothing to appreciate about it. I agree with you. Uh, I'm going to go with I will. While I love DHIQ, I'm also I'm going to stick with the Defector, which I said is one of my absolute favorites. Um, love seeing the Romulan intrigue. Love seeing uh, you know the, the the heroic character who's double sided. In the end of it, his heroism is for naught. Um, and I just I love seeing that that dichotomy. And of course I hate the price because a creepy rapey jackass Devanani Rawl put a pin in it. It's done. He was, it's a, it's a, it's a three time, three time loser. So yeah, this is oh, the three X's on. Yeah, exactly. He's got yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, cross, <laughs> out the eyes. Yes. Zero stars do not recommend. <laughs> oh, all right. And, and uh, with that, our next episode, this was our last episode of 2022, so you got... Oh, here's something fun we can do. What was your top Star Trek moment of 2022? Katie. Oh, God. Um, being on a panel with you and April at Grand Rapids Oh, Club. blushing. Peter? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if it happened this year or not. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> I have to check something. Um... Well, Charlie, you go. Charlie, first. you go first. I have to date something first. Delay of game because I was going with some Star Trek early, but for me, it was also Grand Rapids Comic Con. We had an incredible show. We raised eleven hundred dollars for the Make a Wish Foundation, which was amazing. We made a lot of great friends, um, and and we helped the chapter grow. And um, yeah, I think we we set our. We, it was really a show that set us apart. Of uh, I do have an addendum, actually. Yes, please. Um, the Doug Jones interview. Oh, shh, shh. Nobody knows about the Doug Jones interview. And it's a secret. It's a secret. Kidding. <laughs> it's it's the worst kept secret. It's the worst kept secret. I, I mean, maybe my favorite moment might be coming up, so I can't. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. It's still but, ha- it's still happening in 2022, though. But yeah, but my favorite one that I that has happened past tense mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is I got to do a lead voice role in a Star Trek fan production. So. What? Fun. We yeah. want to hear this. Is it is it out already? Oh yeah, it, it released in January. I oh, think okay. I mentioned oh. it, but maybe not. So no. Well, yeah, well it's, we, we, it's on Starship Excelsior. If I haven't plugged this enough, you have. But you'll get a ch- you'll get a chance to plug again after Katie reads the outro. Yes. So um, you can find us online at secretfriendsunite.com for all of your or for all of our episodes, additional content, and bios of all of our SFU network stars. Um, you can hit us up on Secret Friends U, or you can hit me up at QT Geek, and that's Q underscore T Geek, um, Petrus Aquinas, and the C3 on Twitter, and let us know if you're enjoying or what you're enjoying about the Trek world. You can also find us on all of our Apple podcasts or find us on Spotify under their podcasts. There you go. That's not actually the part I wanted you to read, but you know what? It's great that you read it. Uh, no, for more information about Starfleet International, please visit Graham Petoskey on Facebook or Twitter. Katie told you where to find her. You know where to find Peter. You can find me uh, 
where she had said. Um, you can also visit, obviously, the Grand Petoskey uh, at our website. We also have a great Discord server for our members, um, which is really blowing up and it's super exciting. And uh, 2022 has been great. Uh, and if you're listening to our network earlier this week uh, and you heard my little uh, Christmas message for Holocron Chronicles because my partner Mark was out sick, we've got some really, really really big stuff planned for 2023. Uh, so buckle up. Uh, you're just going to be getting more of us for better, or for worse. <laughs> uh, friends, thank you as always for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. And wherever you go, go boldly. Peace and long life. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.